James chapter 3, verses 9 through 12. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt spring produce fresh water. Amen? Father God, we just thank you, Lord, that you would have your way today, Lord God, that you will speak what you want your people to hear, Lord God. I'm not going to ask that you bless your word because your word is already blessed and anointed, Father God. So I thank you for blessing these people. Use me for your glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the ti- everyone can be seated. Um, so the title of this word today is, Are You Speaking My Language? And the subtitle is, The Problem with Being Bilingual. Uh, don't, don't shriek. Everyone's saying, what? It's all right. Um, everyone talks about the benefits of being bilingual, and they're obvious, right, the benefits. You can speak multiple languages. You can communicate more easily with people. Um, it gives you access in, um, to other things, other cultures that you wouldn't normally have. But there's also a downside to being bilingual, right? I don't know how many of you were raised in bilingual households. I was. Um, I'm the youngest of four, so by the time I came up, um, my brothers and sisters were speaking English, and I was in school, so I speak English easier. I think in English, that's what I prefer, but I also can speak in Spanish. But what typically happens in a home like that is that, you know, you go in and out of both languages constantly. You start the sentence in English and you end up in Spanish. You start the sentence in Spanish, you end up in English. So my poor son growing up in that, and honestly, all my nieces and nephews have the same problem. Their Spanish is awful. Because they, okay, and Naisha también. It happens because they're hearing bits and pieces and we're constantly going in and out of English and Spanish so they can't catch it so they they go to the easier one which is English it's what they're taught in school and clearly I'm more comfortable in English I was speaking to my son in English his father's African-American so everybody around him was speaking in English so he's had to learn Spanish which he's dedicating himself to and doing a good job thank God but it poses certain problems. Um, I work in the court. I think everybody knows that. So we use interpreters for every language in the world. I've heard of languages now working for the judge that I've never heard in my life. Um, But in New York, we have so many different cultures. We have to have interpreters on staff. But here's another problem with being bilingual. People come in, and we ask them. They start speaking in English, and it's a struggle because English is their second language. So then I asked them, with respect, because some people get very offended when you say, do you need an interpreter? So I asked, would you be more comfortable if, if um, we had someone speaking your native language? And most people say yes, um, but they understand enough English to where then the interpreting becomes a problem. Because they're listening to me in English, they're not listening to the interpreter, 
Then they're going to respond in Spanish, but they're half listening to what I'm saying and the interpreter saying because they understand some words and they don't understand other words. So it becomes a problem, and then they start slipping back into their language, right? Whatever that is, Spanish, French, whatever. Um, and then everybody's confused. Nobody understands anybody because you're missing half of the sentence, right? Well, it's the same way with us in the spirit. We're all bilingual here. If you've given your life to the Lord, you're bilingual. You speak God, and you speak the world. Amen? And that comes with its own unique set of challenges, like the scripture we just read. Salty and bitter don't flow the same with fresh. Both should not be coming out of the same fountain. If you've ever been to a third world country, you know that fresh water is a big deal. Um, You can't live off the water you get from the sea because the water you get in the sea is salt water and it will kill you if you drink it. If that's all you're drinking, you have to find some way of purifying it. But it's not easy. Once something has been salted, it is very difficult to get the salt out. It's a whole refining process. That's why all these missions and all these organizations set up whole irrigation systems, a whole very complex thing to try to get salt out of water. And how many of you know it's easier to put salt in water than to get salt out of water? When you go to a restaurant and you taste food and it's a little bland, you add salt, it jazzies it up almost immediately. But once you've ever tasted someone's bad cooking, right? In Puerto Rico, we say, oh, that's salado, right? It's too salty. They went too heavy with the salt. And no matter what you do to it, you can't get that salt out once it's in. Well, it's the same thing, right? With the word of God and the world. If we're putting more world in, it takes that much more God to get it out. Amen? And we do this all the time. We, we, all of us slip into what's more comfortable, particularly when things get difficult. When you're understanding and everything is going well, you can be godly, right? You can be, praise the Lord, hallelujah, I'm blessed and highly favored, Right? But when you start coming up against things in your life, those words that you were speaking of faith somehow start changing when you're not getting enough God in you. Amen? Uh, John 1 verses 1 through 3 says that that Jesus is the word. I'm a little nervous or else the scripture would have just come to my mind. It says, in the beginning was the word, And the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. It said, nothing was made that was made but for him, and that he was the light of the world, and that darkness understood him not. So if we don't put more Jesus in, more Jesus can't come out. And we do that by speaking the word. Um, I was telling our foundations class last week that you cannot memorize without speaking it out loud. People think they can memorize things in their head. It's, it's an impossibility. All you educators can affirm me on that. You memorize by repeating things out loud. Otherwise, you don't memorize it. You think you're memorizing it when you're reading something repeatedly in your head, but it doesn't stick. Try it. If you don't believe me, go home and try it. Not right now, because I need for you to pay attention. But... It's the same thing with God's word. We have to put it in so that it comes out 
And we have to do that by speaking out. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's in Luke 6.45. So whatever we're speaking is a good indication of what's going on in your heart. If you're speaking words of faith or something else, if you're speaking blessings or curses, and God doesn't want us to flow that way. Once you give your life to the Lord, it should be blessings and not cursings. As he says, salty and fresh or bitter and fresh can't or should not flow from the same fountain. But with many of us, it does. And I'm not excluding myself from that. I just had an episode with Brenda and Nate this week that is funny now. It wasn't funny um, earlier this week um, that I'll tell you about later. I don't want to get off my notes. We're going to be here all day. Um, Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against it. Right, So it's something to be cherished and protected. If we have to hide it in our heart, what is that, what's the indication? That someone can take it, right? That it could somehow be watered down or forgotten or lost. You only hide things you want to keep, amen? So we have to hide his word in our heart so that it's there when we need it and we can speak it when we need to. So what's the spiritual um, aspect of that? Proverbs 18.21 says that the power of death and life are in the tongue. So God was showing me that a lot of us aren't speaking life. We're speaking death over ourselves, over our situations, because we're speaking what we're seeing and not what God says. You have to send out the word of God ahead of you. You have to saturate the atmosphere. You have to put it forth, when I get to work, it's going to be this, it's going to be that. I'm blessed and highly favored, or it will go well, my train will run, my bus will run. You have to put things out in the atmosphere because, believe me, somebody else is. You're either speaking to angels or you're speaking to demons. You are speaking. All of us are speaking, so that's not the issue. We talk all the day long. Some of us a lot more than others, Right? But we're always speaking. So what are we speaking? Are we speaking the word of God? Are we speaking positive confessions? Are we speaking by faith? Or are we speaking what we see? Oh, my God, it's going to snow. Oh, the church is too cold. The church is too hot. Um, I never have any money. I can't go here. I can't go. What are you saying? What are you saying? Because that what you're speaking, you're calling into your life. You think that you're just talking about what you're seeing. But then we have to change our vision, right? Praise God we got our own church home. Forget that they can never get the temperature right to my taste. Right? I had to throw that in. We have our own place. This is ours. We could stay. I could stay up here all night if I want to. I know none of you wants that. But that's what I should be focusing on. Not that I'm too hot or too cold. If I know I'm always too cold, then bring a sweater. If I know I'm too hot, wear short sleeves. It's, it's a simple fix. But what are we speaking, right? Also, some of us who have control issues, Carmen, um, <laughs> you guys figure it out. We have control issues. And I'm saying we because I own up to that. I have control issues. So I don't give stuff to God unless I think I can't handle it. 
right? I see a problem, I fix it. My, my middle name is, I got it, I'll figure it out, I can handle it, right? And I'm a work in progress just like all of you, so don't give me funny looks. It's hard for me to ask people for help, and I only take it to God if I feel like I need help. Otherwise, I'm going to do my level best and my own intellect to figure it out. But that's wrong too. God doesn't want that. I should be speaking to the situation, whatever it is. Lord, send me somebody who can help me with the flat tire. Lord, send me somebody who can fix my curtain shade. Right? Because you start getting up on the chair with a screwdriver and all that, it's just going to be a disaster if you don't know what you're doing. But these are the things that people with control issues have to constantly combat. We're so used to doing things on our own that it never occurs to us to pray about it and to tell the Lord, I'm going to walk into Home Depot and someone's going to help me and they're going to know what I'm talking about and they're going to show me how to fix it or they're going to send someone to help me. I don't send out the word ahead of me to prepare the way. I'm a reactionary sometimes prayer or a reactionary speaker. And God wants us to be proactive. Again, he wants us to set the atmosphere. He says in his word that his word goes out before us. How does it go out before us if we're not speaking it out loud? Amen? And here we go with that, I can see. Um, I just, okay. I'm trying not to be repetitive, and Dante told me to stick to my notes. <laughs> Bias, don't say hallelujah like that when you tell me to stick to my notes and not be repetitive. <laughs> I have fun. I don't like anybody laughing right now. I don't appreciate it. I, it don't feel like love right now, but okay. One of the situations and times where we find that we're slipping into old behaviors is when we're stressed, right? When we're stressed, when we're tired, when we're hungry, and here comes my story about Brenda and Nate. <laughs> Again with the laughing. Um, earlier in the day, I had a bad interaction with one of the judges in the building, not the judge I work for. And she said something very rude to me with regards to my boss, which was inappropriate, unprofessional. It was a billion things. And I'm not really used to people speaking to me that way at work or ever. And I didn't know what to do. When she said what she said, she said, you know, I really have to tell you. And I thought to myself, no, you don't have to tell me, but you're choosing to. But... And it was like 1 o'clock or like five minutes after when we break for lunch at 1 she says, I really have to tell you, your, your judge makes some really kooky decisions. He does some really kooky things. And I don't know why, but that thing rose up in my flesh like you wouldn't believe. Like the Bronx, I told Brenda, was right here. It was choking me because I wanted to rip her a new one and not using godly words. But I didn't trust myself to speak at that moment because I knew what was going to come out was not going to be good because I was hungry. It was one after one. I didn't have breakfast. I was hungry. So I went like this. Hmm. And I turned around and I walked out. I didn't even answer her. But all over my lunch hour, I was seething, seething. The anger was so intense, I can't even explain it. 
And then I had, you know, I, I sought some counsel, and one of my friends who works there, he was like, Cynthia, there's no upside to you confronting her. No upside. He says, she, you may have to work with her at some point. It's going to look bad for your judge if you come out your face. You know, it's all, she could report you. It's, you know. So I said, all right. So I listened to my worship music, and I tried to, like, get my USA back, right? And, like, this is fine. And God dealt with me that it was my pride that was rising up. Because why should I care what this woman says? One, it's not true. And two, it was clearly sent to provoke me. So I'm like, ah, but people don't talk to me like that. You know, because I talk to God. I keep it real. And he was like, yeah, that's pride. That's pride. That's pride. And he allows certain things so that we get delivered of other things. Amen? So my day goes rolling along. I meet up with Nate and Brenda. We're going to go see Julio in the hospital. We stop to get Wendy's. And uh, Brenda ordered a single. I ordered a double. Nate ordered a triple. There's a reason for that, a level of detail. So we're sitting there, and we got a billion bags because we're ordering for us. We're ordering for Michaela. We're ordering for Julio. We're ordering for Delma. So we have a billion bags. So Brenda's like, oh, just check the bags and make sure everything's in. So I saw three or four wrappers that all look like burgers, and they were more or less the same size. So the girl opens the window, and I said, hey, how, how do we tell? Then I read the wrappers, and they all just said burger. So I tell the girl, I'm not used to Wendy's, you know. So I tell the girl, how do we know which is which? She says, well, a single is one, a double has two, and a triple has three. Brenda, because she's filled with the Holy Ghost, hits the window to shut. Nate's cracking up in the back. Oh, she told you. And so I went off a little in the car because by this point, I'm still carrying the thing from earlier. So I used some words I shouldn't have used. And I said, if I was driving this car, she'd have gotten a piece of my mind on three different levels. So we leave, we get to the hospital. Looking for parking, looking for parking, looking for parking, can't find parking. Finally, Brenda sees a spot. Me and Nada tell her, no, that woman just pulled in. And Brenda said, no, I think she's coming out. So, and this is all Brenda. You hear the tone? This is all Brenda's fault. <laughs> now that I think about it. So Brenda rolls up, and I'm on the passenger side. The woman's car is here. Brenda says, ask her if she's getting out. So Brenda opens the window, and I say, um, excuse me, miss, are you getting out? Yeah, but not for a while. She said, I'm, I'm waiting for somebody. And I said, well, can you just slide back to, like, you know, there was another spot. I said, can you just slide back then and, you know, let us, whatever. And she ripped me a new one. You go back. You park there. You move your car. Brenda shuts the window again. So Brenda slides back and parks at the hydrant so we go wait. And now it's like, what, 8 o'clock? It's about 8 o'clock. So then Nate's like, oh, my God, she told you, you know. So I said, here's where it ends. 
I get out the car. Brenda's like, don't get out the car. Don't go over there. And I'm like, it'll be all right. Because I couldn't let it go. I had to deal with it. And I know by now in my walk with Christ, something happens to me three times. God is dealing with me. So I get out the car, I go to the woman, and I said, you know, long story short, I apologize. I told her I didn't mean to offend. I said, we have a baby in the car. I said, we have food for one of our friends upstairs. It's getting late. He's on dialysis. I don't want him to eat too late. That's the only reason I was being persistent. But I apologize. I didn't mean to make it seem like your errand was any less important than ours. And she said, okay, you know. So I start to wait, walk away, and she says, wait a minute. So I come back. She said, I'll move. And I said, bless God forever. But where were God's words during the first three encounters? Right? I let the anger, the hunger, the tired, the frustrated, the pride keep me from speaking the words that are already in there. And it took three situations to be like, ding, 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 use your words, right? Be nice and try to understand, right? And that's, that's the thing that I'm, I'm trying to come across that, and, and this isn't going to be a whole big sermon about me, but about we all go through this. We start off powerful in the Lord, and then life just starts beating you down and beating you down and beating you down. And if you're not putting in and speaking out more than what the enemy is putting in, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. Because it's like a fountain. The water's going in, it's going down the drain, it's coming out. There has to be a steady supply of water going in, spirit of living waters, in our bellies coming out. You avoid problems if you speak to your situations, if you speak to the atmosphere. You're not going to avoid all problems, clearly. But your days would go so much better. Your situations would go so much better. Amen? So are we speaking possible or impossible? Hope or defeat? Acceptance or rejection? Compassion or hatred, blessings or curses, prayers or gossip and backbiting and discussing people's business that is not yours to discuss. Are we discussing truth or facts? Are we speaking trust or doubt? Are we looking at our circumstances or are we looking at what the word of God says about our circumstances? Are we speaking faith or fear? Right? A few weeks, two weeks ago, actually, my son left uh, for um, Cambodia just on vacation. And he had a bad feeling about it, and I had a bad feeling. And I was trying to overlook my bad feeling up until he texted me during prayer and said he had a bad feeling. He was at the airport. So I said, don't go. Don't go. He said, no, I've never lived my life by fear. He said, I'm going. And he didn't want to leave his friends in the lurch. So I had to, like, travail that night, not to deal with what if something happens to him, but where am I that I don't trust God with my kid's life? God is in charge of Dante. 
And guess what? If he decides to take him right now while I'm standing, to God be the glory, I will trust and serve him anyway. Because I made up my mind a long time ago, and that night that Dante is not mine. So if I have him for two years, 10 years, 20, 30, 60, or 80, every day was precious to me, but ultimately he belongs to God. But that took about two hours in prayer to get to that point, right? I was getting caught up with fear because we can't be ruled by our feelings. Our feelings are not right. The Holy Spirit is one thing, our feelings are another, and we often confuse the two. So when you're feeling like that, it's like you can speak faith, you could be powerful for other people and their problems, but let the thing happen to your kid, right? All of a sudden, your faith goes out the window, and you're freaked out, and you're frightened, and you don't know what to do. But that's where the metal meets the road. That's why you got to know where you stand. That's why the word got to be in there to come out. And it came out that night. Praise God. So five reasons why you should speak the word of God, as if I didn't say enough already. God's word is anointed. It's full of power. In Ezekiel 37, verses 4 through 11, I'm not going to read it, but it said Ezekiel, the God, um, Ezekiel prayed. He was being attacked, and God told him to speak to those dry bones. And he spoke to those dry bones as the word of the Lord said, and those bones came to life. They grew, I don't know all the words memorized, but it grew sinews and tendons and flesh and skin and muscles. Because God's word has power. Genesis 1 and 3. God spoke. Before God spoke, the, the Bible says that the world was without form and void. God spoke and he created the heavens and the earth. God's word has power. But he had to speak it out. It didn't say God thought it. It didn't say Ezekiel thought it. It said Ezekiel spoke and those dry bones came to life. God spoke and he created the heavens and the earth. So his power is anointed. His word is anointed. His word has power. Moreover, it says in John 1, Jesus is the word. He's the word embodied. So that alone has power. Amen? And Brother Nate hit, it, hit the nail on the head on Wednesday. He has said that we have to speak the word of God. We cannot be silent. We cannot be silent because if you're not speaking the word over your life and your situations, believe me, somebody is speaking death to them. And, and sometimes it's not people who mean you any harm. It's, you know, you have people in your life who aren't saved. Well, what can you do? It is what it is, right? That's speaking death over your situation. That's not speaking faith. So if you're not talking about it to God and you're not speaking it out, somebody else is, believe me. Amen? Um, can you put up Esther 4 and 14 for me? Is it up? Let me see if I can find it quickly. Esther 4 and 14. Who has it? Oh, there we go. So this is, I think it's Malachi speaking to Esther. You, most of you know the story of Esther. She was a peasant girl, and she had to go live with the king because he chose her to be his bride, but the king was pagan. She was very Jewish, so it was a problem. 
and she didn't want to do it because she also knew if she spoke any little thing wrong to the king, he was going to kill her. So she didn't want to be put in that position. She was fearful. But Malachi told her, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. All of you are here for such a time as this. All of you are being placed strategically amongst your friends, amongst your family, at your job for such a time as this. If you're not speaking the word, who's going to speak it to them? Yes, God will speak, will rise somebody else up, but then you don't get the blessing. Right? It says God will rise somebody else up to speak to that person. But then your family will perish. You're losing the opportunity for a blessing by refusing to speak God's word in due season. Amen? Other thing, God's word activates the angels. Psalm 103, 20 and 21 says, Bless the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his commandments, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you hosts, you who serve him and do his will. So the angels respond when they hear God's word. Angels don't know what we're thinking. They are not God. The only one who knows what we're thinking is God. But there's always angels around waiting to do something. But they're waiting to hear the word of God spoken. In Daniel 10, 12, Daniel, another one, was facing a battle. And he prayed and prayed and prayed. So Gabriel finally came and Gabriel told him, I don't know if you could put it up, but if not, I'll read it. Do not fear, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. The angels are dispatched when they hear God's word. That's how they're activated. You don't always need Jesus, but you do need angels a lot more sometimes to prevent accidents, calamities, whatever, things that you need right at that moment to protect you, to keep you from getting mugged, going home late at night. Those are the angels. And in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, which I'm also not going to read, is Jesus in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. Every time Satan said, well, do this, if you're God, do that. I know God gave his angels charge over you, so if you do this. And Jesus, each and every time, responded by using scripture, Old Testament scripture. Jesus was the word, but when he was on earth, he used the word. And it says afterwards that um, after he resisted Satan and Satan left, that the angels came to minister to him. Because they were responding to the word. Amen? Reason number three, God responds to his word. Yes, he responds to our heart cries, but using his word gets his attention quicker. It pleases him. He likes it. In John 15, 7, it says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. That's why praise and worship is so anointed. You feel the presence, everybody, when they're in church, they feel the presence of God during praise and worship more than at any other time. Why? Because the words that they are singing are scriptures for the most part. 
So the angels are here. The Holy Spirit is here. God is here. That's why you feel the presence of the Lord when praise and worship is going on. That's why it's so powerful. It's so anointing. All of you felt the presence of the Lord this morning during praise and worship. I was a hot mess because God was just, you felt it. You felt it. That's because we're, we're, we're putting his words to song. That gets his attention. That gets anybody's attention, right? When people speak the words that you spoke over them, don't they pay more attention? I know, you know, a lot of you, I think, have kids. They can cry, they can whine, they can ask for whatever. And you, you may give it to them or you may not for a myriad of reasons. But when they say, Mommy, you said you would. Or, Daddy, you told me that you were going to... You can't say no to that. Because, one, you don't want to appear hypocrite. Two, you don't want to teach them the wrong thing. And three, you want them to trust when you say something that you're going to do it. Well, it's the same thing with God. When we remind him of his word and we speak his word, how can he say no? If we say, God, you said in your word that I would be healed. Right? God, you said in, the word, in your word that I'm the head and not the tail. That your favor goes before me. That I have more than enough. That you meet my every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Right? What is he going to say? Oh, I didn't say that? God is not a man that he should lie. That's the one thing God cannot do. He cannot lie. So if he said it, he will do it. Amen? Isaiah 43 and 6 says we're to remind him of his word and argue our case. One of the prophets, Isaiah, was whining to him about something. And he said, all right, make your case. Remind me of your word, of my word. Make your case. And Isaiah did, and Isaiah got what he prayed for. So God is not afraid of us reminding him of his word. He's not afraid of us arguing with him. But you have to know the word to be able to do it, right? Back in, um, can you put up 2 Kings 4.30? Last uh, May, when I preached for Mother's Day, I... um, told about the story of the Shunammite woman who entertained Elisha in her house and then her son died and then she went to Elisha. And the thing that got Elisha to move, because Elisha first, he sent his servant to try to deal with her issue and all of that. She said these words to him. She said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you until you do what I say, basically. So he got up and he followed her. Prior to that, he had no intentions of going. Can you put up the other scripture, 2 Kings 2, 2 and 2? The reason it resonated with Elisha is because he had spoken those very words himself to his spiritual father, Elijah. When Elijah was getting ready to leave and being taken up from the Lord, he told Elijah, stay back. I got business to handle anywhere. And Elisha said what to him? As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So how do you not respond when somebody uses the very words that invoked so much emotion in you? Right? We all prefer to hear things in our own language. If your native language is Spanish, you prefer that. If it's English, you prefer that. 
You may speak something else to be acceptable to whatever environment you're in, but you feel more comfortable in your native language. Well, God wants us to speak our native language. Our native language is his word. We're his sons and daughters. We came into this world and we forgot. But that's why God had it written down and make it plain so that we would always have it. Amen? And last, no, the fourth reason. His word is a powerful weapon. Hebrews 4 and 12 says it's sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide, to divide spirit and soul, marrow and bone. Why is that important? Because the battle is inside us, between our spirit and our soul. Your soul likes the things of the world. Your soul wants more of the same. Your spirit man wants to serve God. We have to use the word to get our soul and our flesh under control. Speaking of sort of the spirit, Nate is starting a Bible study on the armor of God. He's going to do a series in prayer. Please come out. It's going to be very powerful. Last thing, God's word always bears fruit. Isaiah 55, 11, so my word shall be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it should accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So why wouldn't you use the word as often as possible? Why aren't you speaking to your situations? I'll tell you why. Three reasons. We don't know the word. Right? We haven't bothered to memorize it. We don't study scriptures. So we don't know the word. So it's not there when we need it. And then when we try to read it and study it, we don't understand it. I tell my foundations class all the time, get a Bible you can read. New Living, NIV, something. Get a, a tra- keep searching translations until you find one that makes sense to you. Don't get frustrated with the process. There's a language out there that's for you that you can understand. Amen? Second reason we don't speak the word. We know the word, but we don't believe it works. Not for us. It works for Awilda. It works for Minister Tony. But it doesn't work for me. That's a lie straight out the pit of hell. God's word doesn't return unto him void, and he's no respecter of persons. He doesn't play favorites. If he did it for her, he can do it for you. If he did it for him, he could do it for you. And the last reason is fear. We don't speak the word because we fear people. We fear failure. We fear what people will say if we're constantly walking around, speaking life, being positive. Right? Right? People start thinking you're annoying. They don't want to talk to you. Oh, she's always so happy. Oh, she's... Well, let them be annoyed. Let them be annoyed. Because your very presence in that workplace, in that environment, keeps the wrath of God from them. It does. It is a fact. You are ambassadors for Christ everywhere you go. So let people be annoyed. The word of God is good for everything, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, to rebuke, to restore, to, to educate, to edify. It's good for everything. There's no situation where you feel, oh, this isn't appropriate to speak the word of God. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. If there is a situation, then you have to speak the word of God over it. 
Jeremiah 20, verses 7 and 11. Jeremiah, another prophet, was afraid to speak, and people were coming at him. His friends were coming at him. Everybody was coming at him. And he said that it was like a fire shut up in his bones. He had to speak the word, or else it was going to consume him. It's the same thing with us. When you don't say something you're supposed to say, it bothers you. But you keep quenching that fire enough, it's going to go away permanently. We're supposed to be crucified with Christ. Christ poured himself out so we could pour ourselves in. We have to pour ourselves out to receive him. And if you're not putting it in, it can't come out. Amen? So lastly, by not speaking the word, we're setting ourselves up for failure. Look what happened to Jonah. You don't want to end up in the belly of a stinky beast, right? In a fish. God is going to always get you to where he needs for you to be. You can either cooperate or you can make it difficult. And he'll, make, he'll set the fire around you to get you to move. You have to start speaking the word. We got saved by speaking his word. Romans 10, 8 through 10 says, but what does it say? The Lord is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You wouldn't have gotten saved, those of you who are, without confessing the word of God. You had to say it out loud. You couldn't say it silently. That's not what Jesus requires. God's word is a living, breathing thing. It gives us the power to create and recreate things. You can declare your future and your present. You set the atmosphere by using your word. And when we speak God's word, we're speaking Jesus. Jesus is his word. What father can deny you when you speak about their son? People can do and say whatever they want. They bring up your kid, you're all smiles. You could be the crankiest person in the world. They ask, how's Tony? How's Yasminda? You smile. How's Adi? Right? How's Liam? How's Geneve? How's Eunice? And I'm sorry, I can't remember the other two's names. But you automatically, it changes your disposition. That's how God reacts when we speak his word. All he hears is Jesus. There's power in speaking his word, so let's do it. Amen? Please stand to your feet. I want to proclaim some confessions over you. Repeat after me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God always causes me to triumph. In all things, I am more than a conqueror. God's goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. My steps are ordered by the Lord and he delights in my way. I acknowledge God in all my ways and he directs my path. 
God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask or think according to his power in me. I am anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving I make my request known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guards my heart and my mind through Christ Jesus. Jesus, redeem me from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for me. Curse of the law for becoming a curse for me. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Amen.